Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Excellent. Anita, all systems go. All systems ready for launch in five, four, three, two, Welcome to Widow We Do Now. I am Mel Shore. <laughs> wow, that was formal. I'm Anita Coyle. Um, you're back from Hawaii. I am. Are you sad? No, I... What kind of a question is that? <laughs> I mean, everybody's got to be sad to come home from Hawaii. I'm a widow. I'm sad all the time. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. Well, actually, like, I was... It rained every day, and it was still fine. I loved it because it, I could breathe there, and there was no stress. And then I came home, and, like, the minute I came home, back to insane drama, which I'm not going to talk mm -hmm. about. But So I'm stressed now, but I had a great time. You know, that is something that I wrote about a little while ago, and it's something that I feel really weighs heavily on me, and you kind of just express the same thing. It's like we can take a break from our responsibilities and grief, but it just waits for us. So when we get home, it's not like anything has changed. It's not like anybody's done anything to make things better in our absence. It's just here waiting for us. And so we just get to choose when we want to deal with it. It's We can never escape it. And that is heavy and annoying. It's true. And a lot of my stress is because of other people's choices. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it. 
And so I feel like I have my, well, that I kind of have my crap together, you know? And so having a break from being part of a system, (laughs) this is so cryptic, is really Mm -hmm. helpful for me. And then coming back, it's like, sometimes you just can't avoid it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. It's the opposite of cryptic for me because it's just my kids. <laughs> anyway, I'm here with my dog, Scotty, and it's good to see you, Anito. Yeah. Um. So this week. Oh, why aren't you going to I... say it's good to see me? Too? Oh, I thought I already did. No. You just you just went, oh, anyway. Hi, Mel. It's good to see you, too. Oh, anyway. I think I'm sad for you that you're not in Hawaii anymore. So It was beautiful. And yeah. I found an indoor skate park that I could go to every single day Good. and it was raining. So it was great. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you what I was going to tell you before this week. I made my kids make dinner and it was (laughs) hilarious. My one son was like, why are you torturing us like this? (laughs) Oh boy. I'm the worst mom ever, but actually it was really funny and I enjoyed it and I'm going to make them do it again, (laughs) even though I still had to make dinner because they don't know how to make dinner. But I made them plan the menu and we went to the grocery store and I gave them a budget and they came up with very weird things to eat. And then everybody complained. Somebody threw cabbage and (laughs) it was great. Tell us what the best thing that they planned and what the worst thing they planned was. Well, the best and the worst were actually the same because it was the best because it was so funny and the worst because what in the world. So one of the meals we had was Little Smokies in barbecue sauce, potato chips, and cabbage. Not steamed, not in slaw, just a bowl full of plain cabbage. It sounds kind of Irish to me. I think Jason's DNA is coming out in the choices made by your children. He didn't like cabbage. But isn't they, cabbage. aren't they Irish? Coil yeah. is Irish, right? Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. So that, I just laughed the whole way through. I was like, oh, okay. Yes. And then when he made Kool-Aid and he said to the other brother, you have to eat all your cabbage to get any of this Kool-Aid. And that's when the cabbage went flying across the room. Oh. And the son who had made it goes, it doesn't feel very good when people are mean about the food you make. And I was like, ha I win. But did they make the connection that that's what you no. do all the time? Yeah. No, no, definitely not. So it was just more entertaining for me, but we'll see. We'll see. Nice. Well, I'm glad you got some laughs out of it. <laughs> so silly. Um, Mel, we have big news. I know. There have been many changes. Uh-huh. Go. The The biggest thing is that we have formed and launched some subgroups in the Widow Wives Club. Now, these came about because there are a myriad of different experiences within the widowed experience and sometimes one experience i'm saying that word a lot um can it can be sensitive to talk about some of those topics really openly when you know that somebody else doesn't fit into that same experience so we have formed some subgroups um this is not all of them but these are some of them we have a subgroup for those who are dating or thinking about dating We have a subgroup for those who are repartnered or remarried. We have a subgroup for empty nesters, a subgroup for parents who are actively parenting kids, and a subgroup for kidless widows. Travel. And there are more than that. Yeah. So if I'm in that one. 
Yeah. Oh, well, you're in all of them, actually, Mel. Because you. I know. I have to moderate, but kittless widows and people that like to travel join. Yeah. Be in my group, and also thanks to the moderators who are helping us because we could not do this without everybody. This is a big effort. Uh huh. So there's a post in the main Widow Wives Club. You have to be a member of the main Widow Wives Club in order to join the subgroups. So there's a post in there with all of the links and how you can get into those different groups and what those different groups are. And we've had some uh, we've had some good interactions so far. People saying, "Oh, thank you. I really want to talk about this, but I felt like my experience, you know, was a little bit different. But it fits into this little niche. So it's exciting, and especially for. Those who may have had a situation with the death regarding suicide or overdose or addiction or anything like that, infidelity, things that are really tricky to talk about in front of people who haven't experienced those same traumatic kind of betrayal, uh, very, very difficult situations. There's a group for that as well. And I know that that's already brought a lot of community to people who are in those situations. So consider checking out the subgroups. And thanks, yeah, Anita, and- for just doing all the work because I just am kind of there. Um, and when you're looking for the Widow Wives Club, um, now it's a little more complicated, but make sure you look for the Widow Wives Club. We've got the black logo and the kind of the purpley pink. It's it's the widow we do now, Widow Wives Club. There's another one fo- floating around on Facebook. So don't get tricked. That was a lot of information and I won't remember it, but hopefully you guys remember it. Well, you're already in there, so you don't have to worry about it. But I know, but no, I don't know how to tell people not to get tricked, though. Guys, just don't get tricked. Okay, perfect. Um, What's happening this week for you, Anita? I did something today, again, that I've been working on. I'm still working on headstone stuff, so I just had a long conversation with the headstone man. So I'm working on that. Good for you. I know. How are you feeling? probably so annoyed with me. Um... Basically, we had everything set, and then I was like, never mind. I want to change my mind. So it's fine. I predict a long relationship with this person, with you and that person. I told him I want to have him on the podcast when it's all done so he can <laughs> explain the, being the headstone man. So nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's happening this week. Don't ask me that. Well, what's happening for you? I don't know. I'm back to the grind. Okay, cool. Whatever the grind is. Actually, I've been learning to do a f- uh, slash grind oh. and skateboarding. So there's that. Oh, I'm just kind of back to normal, back to normal life and doing school and teaching and stuff. And I just finished another of my classes for my social work program. And yeah, just kind of going on, keeping going one step forward in front of the other. Nothing super dire. Well, there's always dire stuff in my life, but I can't talk about it because it's not mine. (laughs) Yeah. That's annoying. Um, We just talked about the Widow Wives Club, but we didn't tell you guys to come join it. So come join the Widow Wives Club. And if you want to keep the podcast going, then come check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. Yep. And if you don't like ads, you can join at the $10 level and up and get no ads. And you get a shout out in episode. So go check it out. Again, that's patreon.com slash wwdn there are four tiers with different things so go do it um and today we have a special guest patreon reader it's my number four so and he was not the one who threw the cabbage just in case you're wondering never a different one (laughs) before we get to that if you don't want to join patreon buy us tacos at buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now 
And please, 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 if you haven't taken the chance to give us a rating and a review, it really makes a big difference. It helps people to see that maybe the podcast is worthwhile and maybe it can help them to hear other people's stories. So do it. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I'm Mel. I'm Anita. We are two young widows. We're trying to figure out widow. We do now. This episode is brought to you by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. All right. Are you ready to do Patreon? Yeah. Um, I just need you guys to know he has dragged all the couch cushions in here to sit on while he does this. So I'll see how it goes. I know it might be weird. Okay. The first one we have to sing a song for. Why? That's just what we do. <laughs> what song do you want to sing? Uh, I don't know. Hamburger cheese with a Big Mac football window. Okay, Constant Stahlbeck, David Kelly, Don Satterwhite, Emily Wesenberg, Evelyn Flores, Gail Bell, Heather Mullins, Ivan Meisner, Cat, Crystal Waite, Maya Glasser, Neil Hooper, Rebecca Zeba, Sam Finlayson, Karen Cornejo, Alexis King Audello, Amber Vela, Amy Hartman Hartel, Amy Neal, Ashley Hahn, Barbara Schneiderberger, 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 Buckley. Brandy Younger, Brittany Pedro, Chris Steffen, Cindy Wilkerson, Connie Remich, Danielle Catterberg, Nada Debbie Downer, Dennis Brazo, Jean Marine Massey, Jen O'Brien, Jenny Taylor, Jennifer Beal. Jennifer Brown! <laughs> Jesse Johnson. Little Carol Saltz. <laughs> Laura Giddy Penner. Leah Johnston. Welcome. Tell Leah welcome. Leah, welcome. <laughs> Lisa Hardman Power. Powell. Powell. Lou Clawson. Auntie Marie Hoffman, Mary Catherine Anderson, Meg Murto, Purchasa Weist, Rachel Barbosa, Sarah Morrison. Wait, what? What? Sarah Morris. Sarah Morris. Someone. Fool. Sunshine Hayden. Are you kidding me? Alicia Michaliski, Amy Burke, and Dren. Men. And I'll just <laughs> Audrey and a <coughs> Serena Bora. Christina Scambato.
Cause Stan Andrews not. And it ran out. Don Barber. Debbie fell. Deborah Westwood. Diana Becker. Chicken. Therese Trichel. Aline Dem! Emily Toledo. Eric Vandermeulen. Edin Polster. Pozik. Gabe Lozano. Dabinoit. Gina Haas. Anne Steeny. Eliana Bell. And Jackie! Jan Seeley! Grandma Jen, a secret patron, Jennifer Davis, Jenny Armstrong, Jennifer Sanders, Jenny Barrow, Jenny Default, <gasps> Jocelyn Milo, Jenny Walker, Judy Malkin. Julie Stevenson, Karen Ochoa, Ch- Karina Chabobo, Kathy Murray, Katie Gotts, Katie Ratcliffe, Gascat, what? Kevin Barry, Chris Morgan, Lara Keeley, Lauren Old, Linda. Lindsay Kanopka, Marjorie Ruiz, Marianne Hammond, Marianne McDonald, Mary McGowan, Melissa Bowers, Melissa Hancock, Naomi Brown, Rachel, Rachel Tang, Rebecca Olamaker, Robin Flam, Stacy Sayward, Jamie Terabeth, Tara Wallace, Trenton Thompson, Val Wacker, what the, Packerman, and finally, Sloth Swing, Swing Wendy. Yippee! Thank you everyone for joining the Patreon! Yippee! Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But Then the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
Mel, it's another fun day because we have two special guests. It's a twofer. Tell us who you are. I'm Christina. I'm Megan. Hi, Megan and Christina. Let's start with Megan. Tell us where you are and a little bit about yourself. All right. I am in Texas, so I live in a suburb of Dallas. I lost my husband, Jason, about four and a half years ago. Uh, He passed away very suddenly of uh, cardiac arrest. He just collapsed in our house. Um, So I have one son that I had from a a previous marriage, and then he had four kids. So together we had five kids. It was chaos all the time. (laughs) So um, since then, uh, his kids have gone to live with their mom. And, um, it's just been me and my sons, but yeah, four and a half years ago, we were together for about four years. We met online, uh, which is scary and terrifying. I feel like I never want to have to online date again. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Christina, tell us about yourself. I live in the Pacific Northwest and I met my husband when I was 11 years old. He was, I was 11, he was 12. So we were childhood sweethearts. We got married in our mid twenties and we were married for, um, 22 years. He died. Michael died unexpectedly, um, from heart disease. We had no idea. Um, and so we had two adult children and that's a little bit of our very quick, um, about our story, but yeah, that's, that's us. So we might as well tell everybody why these two are together on our podcast Will one of you please share how you know each other and what you guys do? As we as we mentioned, both of our husbands died of cardiac arrest um, or a, a heart problem. I had done a. Are you familiar with the Hot Young Widows Club? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was a widow of the week. Uh, one of the very last ones that they did. They used to feature a widow every week, and you got the week on their Instagram page to tell the story of your relationship, and that was really integral in my healing process. Seeing all of these people that were just like me, who had people die in the same way, you know, I really connected with those, you know, heart-related or just even like a sudden death and unexpected death. Um, and I just looked, uh, looked forward to it is a weird way to say it, but it was just something that really helped me when I was healing in the, in the very early days, you know? So I was excited to become a widow of the week. So I I shared my story on that page and Christina, like I connected with all those other people connected with my story because our husbands died in the same way. Um, so she slid into my DMS on Instagram <laughs> I stalked her on the internet. Let's be honest. I stalked yep, her. Yep. She stalked me on the internet and we became fast friends. And, um, now we, we have our own podcast. Um, so we started a, a widow podcast too. So we're just a little, a little four pack of widows here today. What's the name of your podcast? It's the full cup club. Is it about like life is half full, half empty, or is it about bra size? (laughs) What's funny is, (laughs) so I'm a graphic designer and after I designed the logo, somebody pointed out that it looks like a bra and I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe I didn't catch that. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like a choose your own adventure. Yeah. (laughs) Either way. (laughs) Right. You know what? You do with it what you want. (laughs) 
it's about, it's for sure about, you know, just choosing joy and finding that what is filling your cup? What are you letting in and, and getting back up after getting knocked down? You know, one thing you guys do on your podcast is you always ask each other what you're drinking that day. So Mm -hmm. I want to hear what you guys are drinking. So I am drinking a LaCroix. I just discovered the key lime LaCroix. So that is what is in my cup right now. Excellent. I have a blackberry lemonade Waterloo. So that's what I have. So it's a sparkling water. I love sparkling water. And I know that some people say it tastes like TV static, but (laughs) I'm here for it. (laughs) How about you ladies? What are you drinking today? I have what you got exotic water from the Mm. tap. (laughs) I have my water bottle that's empty and makes me sad. It's because you've already hydrated. I'd like to, I'd like to say that, but no, that's not really the truth. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys met each other and then you became friends. You became, we call that widow wives, right? It's your Mm. person, your support person, the person that you go to, that you're able to relate to. And then you start a podcast. That's like the natural order of things. As we all know, I just want to know if you guys have been together in person ever. One time we have met, we, uh, (laughs) I, I have a place here in Texas with my daughter and Megan lives in Dallas. And so we met, um, we're in Austin. And so I met halfway in Waco and we went to Magnolia, um, and met one time. Yeah, so one only time one like time. Two hours. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy <laughs> that we've been mm-hmm. friends this long and only been, yeah, we Marco Polo all the time, all day long. So you guys meet each other you become besties. We call that widow wives when you're each other's support person. You start a podcast because that's the natural order of things. How has that been going for you? How long has it been going on and such? We started in March. It was the second anniversary of our friendship. I feel like it's going pretty well. It's just starting to pick up speed. We just hit Mm -hmm. 2000 downloads. So we're still be, it's still in its infancy. We just hit 35 our 35th episode. So we're about a hundred episodes behind you guys. (laughs) Congrats guys. It's a lot of work to put on a podcast. So good job. Thanks. So I'm curious. I want to know, um, how you guys have been doing in the dating arena. We have asked you to be on our podcast today to specifically talk about some issues relating to dating. So if you want to give us a quick rundown of when, if, and when you decided to date and kind of the process that led you to feeling like you're ready to do that. So I had been widowed for about 17 months. I had no intentions of dating. My philosophy was I wanted, I went straight into counseling after Michael died. And I wanted, I I heard this quote that said, um, basically deal with your shit. So other people don't have to wade through your shit to get to you. And so I really wanted to unpack a lot of the stuff and process before I started dating. So I had no intentions of dating and I was at the hardware store, which we do as widows. And I was at the hardware store and there was someone in the hardware store that I recognized. Well, actually he went walking by and he didn't, he locked, he like didn't take his eyes off of me. And I was like, oh my gosh, that guy's going to trip if he doesn't quit staring at me. And then I recognized it was someone who about a week after my husband had passed, our community put a fence up 
um, for us in my backyard. And this gentleman had helped me at the hardware store. And he said, um, and I remember him saying to me, I'm so sorry for your loss. And he told me that he had lost his wife a few years earlier. And to be honest, I thought this guy is full of crap. Like, come on, like, you're just saying this. Um, I know you do weird things right after your person passes. And so, um, I recognized who he was and we got to talking. And about that time was when I was like, I really want to, I really miss having somebody to play board games with or to go out to dinner with. So we kind of connected and I sent him a friend request and just said, Hey, would you like to just hang out, go to dinner? I'm not looking for anything. And about five minutes before we went to dinner for the first time, I realized it was a date. I didn't mean to date somebody. (laughs) I was like, I remember like texting my friend Johanna and just being like, Oh my goodness. If you hear anybody say that I went on a date, I need you to shut that down. Um, and so I had no idea. So I just kind of fell into dating. I just wanted somebody to play rummy cube and go have tacos with. And so, um, Sean and I have been dating. Uh, You said the magic word taco. Tacos. Ah! I love tacos. Uh, And so we've been dating for 19 months. Um, so I'm dating a widower and his experience is very opposite of mine. His death was, um, his wife's death was anticipatory. Um, she had cancer for several years. Um, their relationship was very strained. And so it's a very, we come at it from very different angles into the relationship. So that's a little bit about us. So we, we have gone and checked out all of the tacos in our area and, um, he has beaten me at Rummy cube and I tell him he is a sore winner. He does. He just does not win graciously. So <laughs> Megan. Mm-hmm. I, so the question was, how did you start dating? Yeah. And how is it going? Tell us how about, is it going? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hear um, all the dirty, like misses, you know, and like how it's <laughs> going poorly also. <laughs> I had, you know, I had more uh, dating horror stories actually before I met Jason, um, because that's kind of when I was online. That's when I was on the apps and I was also younger. And so I just, I don't know, maybe I put up with more because I hadn't been through enough in my life to like fill up my, you know, fill up my bullshit cup. And so, (laughs) so I uh, was willing to put up with more, but, but no, I am. in a similar way, I wasn't really looking to date, but it was, it was about two years after Jason died that I felt ready to date. You know, I felt like, okay, I am healed. I knew that I needed to be happy on my own. I needed to find happiness in my life before I could date. And I knew that for myself. So that's what I worked on. I worked on looking for where is the joy? Where is the happiness? You know, I have my son who is awesome. Um, We would do fun things together and I would do little home projects and I get just like this surge of uh, endorphins or whatever it is from like creating something from like making something with my hands or building something or whatever. So I focused on doing that kind of stuff. And I just knew I had to be happy in my life before I could let somebody else into it. So that, that happened at about two years and then the pandemic happened. So, um, nobody was really like dating and I wasn't gonna just like, you know, I wasn't really looking to, I was just ready. I I just could see it as an option at that point. Um, but yeah, Billy is um, is my boyfriend, and he he and I dated actually very briefly right before I met Jason. 
we met through a mutual friend and it's just, the timing wasn't good back then. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go marry this guy instead. And I'll just catch you later. Right. And, um, <laughs> anyway, he, much like Christina slid into my DMS on Instagram. So like, listen, if you want to get into my life, all you got to do is message me on Instagram, apparently. Um, but yeah, it's been going great. We've been dating for almost two years now. He just moved in with me uh, a couple of weeks ago. Whoa. So super, super new. He's awesome with my son. Um, he is, he's fantastic. He, uh, it's not weird being a widow. You know, I could see how that might be a concern, you know, talking about your late spouse with this new partner, right? Um, it's not weird at all. And he's um, accommodating seems like a weird way to say that, but you know what I mean? He's very supportive. Um, so it's, it's actually been really fantastic. And it was an accident. I just, I just knew that I had to be happy in my life before I could even think about it. And that's, that's what I focused on. So are you saying that you didn't both of you, either of you, neither of you didn't start dating because you were trying to fill a, a void or something that was missing in your life. You weren't trying to find somebody to help you do the plumbing in the house. You weren't finding somebody to try and make you feel happy again. You were hundred percent. Yeah. Trying <laughs> to find somebody to add to your life. That was good. Explain, <laughs> expound. I, I was like, listen, I don't need a man to fix my plumbing. I don't need a man to mow my yard. I can do that stuff or I can hire somebody, right? That's not what you need a spouse for. You know, I wanted that, um, that, the, the ad, the, uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I wanted that extra happiness. I wasn't looking to fill anything. I didn't need to, cause I had filled it already in, in myself, you know, I got to that point. And I think that's important dating advice, no matter what, not just if you've lost somebody. Yes. I think that you need to come into it as a whole ass person, as mm -hmm. I have talked about before, mm -hmm. you know, two whole people coming together and that when you're giving to each other, you are giving out of abundance and not out of lack that I don't need someone to mow my lawn. I don't need, like Megan said, um, Sean doesn't need someone to cook for him. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it, you need to come and just have these two separate lives and then enjoy each other. And I think that, uh, that's something that happens is that, especially I've seen this with men is that, um, men will come in and they, they're very anxious about the fact they're used to having a wife who takes care of a lot of things. And so just to really pause and say, why am I coming into this relationship? Is it because that I feel scared that, um, I'm not going to know how to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, I don't know how to fix the car. I don't know how to take it to do this. And just this idea of like, we're very capable, um, whether you are a man or a woman of learning, I mean, turn on YouTube if you don't know, um, but you need to bring, be a whole person coming into the relationship. And so that was really, um, how I looked at it. I wanted to, um, I wasn't, I was looking for somebody to play Rummy Cube with. I wasn't looking for someone to mow my lawn. Companionship. Yes. Um, it's so interesting because you, are dating Christina, you're dating a widower, right? So you have two yes. quote unquote broken people. 
um, who have come together. And I'm sure that has some challenges associated with it, because even if you're in a place where you feel like you're dating, that doesn't erase the fact that you've gone through this big traumatic thing and things are going to come up and they're going to be hard to deal with. And it's going to be like, oh, we can't do that because that's a really hard thing that me or my children have to deal with. How do you guys deal with both of you having this traumatic, you know, episodes, not the right word, but traumatic backstory. For us, it seems to work really well because we get each other. Um, We get that we've been through hard things and that we're going to have hard days. And for the first year when we were dating, I knew that Sean's wife's birthday was coming up and he had mentioned wanting to go to a certain beach. We live on the coast and he um, had mentioned going there. And so I said, Hey, I want to take you to the beach because, um, it's actually what he didn't realize, um, that I knew it was his wife's birthday and this beach, this undisclosed location is where her ashes, um, some of her ashes are. (laughs) And so for her birthday, I bought roses and I took, I put them in the trunk of my car and he didn't know what we were doing. Um, and so, uh, I said, Hey, like, I want to take you. And so when he when I opened the trunk of the car, he had no idea there were roses in there. And so for her birthday, he got to take roses down to the beach, um, for her birthday. And so I think that it, it, there is something really beautiful in having someone who gets you, who knows that there are going to be hard days. Also someone to say, so it was seven years ago for him. Um, it's been three years for me. So having somebody to say, you're, you're going to keep having hard days. Um, it, it, it just, you know, you get stronger. And so that is the nice part of it. And then also he has a son and I think there's also something really beautiful about, um, being able to talk openly with someone's child about loss. And especially I think for kids, there's something special about a mom and to be able to connect with a child um, who's been without a mom for many, many years and to be able to kind of um, fill that um, a little bit. You don't take that parent's place, but to be able to nurture and do nice things. Um, his son will show up at my front door. They actually crazy enough. Sean lives 10 doors down from me and we didn't know each other. I don't think I mentioned that. And so sometimes his son really likes that. I make really good ranch dressing (laughs) and he'll show up at the front door with a jar and be like, can I have some of that really good ranch dressing? So there are some really beautiful parts about it. I mean, it's still hard. It's still hard, but, um, I like that we, we connect in that way that we get each other about that. That's awesome. And that's so random that the ranch dressing is bringing you together, (laughs) but also understandable. (laughs) You guys mentioned being a whole person when you then do decide to start dating. A lot of people are so broken and they want to, they're on their journey to becoming that whole person, or maybe they are feeling like they're they're ready and and they hear stories of widows who find their person after the first try or the first person they meet like is magically dropped in their lap and then it doesn't work out and then it's a whole other loss do you guys know any people like that or have anything that you can speak to as far as that i know it's not your same experience perhaps but just for those who who might be listening and they're like, well, I didn't have that experience where somebody was dumped in my lap. I wish that I had had that. And they're like, it kind of puts them in a grief spiral a little bit more. What do you think? So I knew that I couldn't handle that. 
I thought about that before I started dating. I thought about what if it doesn't work out? What if I get dumped? What if it works out for a little while and, and I get dumped, right? And I knew that emotionally I couldn't handle that. So I just didn't even go for it. So that's kind of part of becoming happy with yourself. You know, that's part of healing is knowing that and getting to the point where you could handle a, re- a new relationship not working out. That's absolutely a criteria before dating. It's important. So then that way you don't wind up emotionally attached or, you know, to something that's not working or uh, in a situation where you feel like you can't leave or you need them for something because that's not what a relationship should be. It's not about needing a person to fill a void. Like you said earlier, Anita, it's about companionship and being two whole people that are there in the relationship by choice, choosing to be there every single day. And yeah, we went through something really hard, but you know what? Everybody has a past. So even if, so my partner does not, he has not gone through loss, right? But he's had prior previous relationships. He's had difficult things he's gone through too. And it's like being two whole people in a relationship supporting each other where, you know, he's supporting me when I talk about Jason, right? And then when he talks about things from his past, I'm there supporting him. It's not, it's not really um, about filling a, a void. It's about being there by choice together. Do you know what I mean? Did I mm-hmm. say, did I say anything in that sentence? <laughs> I'm asking this because I actually have you personal experience <laughs> with a situation because I've been an independent person my whole life and and I was in a good spot. And then about a year ago, a good friend and I started dating and then all of a sudden he changed after my dad died. And it didn't matter. Like I didn't have anything that I needed him to do. I didn't need him to mow my lawn. I didn't need him to fill any void, but it was really devastating at the same time. Cause then I lost a friend and it's like, it spent, it put me back into a, a loss spiral. And so, so I just want to make sure that like you, people know that like, yeah, you can be independent, but you can still have things happen to you. And that's still hard. It's yeah. not like a fix all. I think, you know, to, it's really great to be to be two interdependent people, you know. Uh, everybody's coming into the situation, hopefully, like with their with their stuff under control. But but there are going to be times, maybe when somebody doesn't have things under control, or like stuff happens and you don't see it coming, and you know, for sure. So that's been a thing that I've been dealing with is like another loss, and it's almost in a way almost like another death because it got so bad that now like now I've lost a friend that I've had for 17 years. So re-grieving after dating somebody is is also something that can be super valid for a lot of people. I know they've had a lot of struggles with that, but it seems also that um, the people that do find their, what do they call them, chapter twos, um, the people that end up dating the widows end up being such amazing people and very caring and and patient and we hear we hear so many good stories of that too so uh what are some things that you both love about your partner now i would first 
just like to make a note that I don't call, I don't call it a chapter two. I wouldn't, I wouldn't denote my life in, um, uh, relationships with, with men. You know what I mean? I feel like I've, I'm maybe in my chapter two because Jason died, or maybe I'm in my chapter seven. Right. But I don't like to call a new partner a chapter. Does that make sense? Because it's my life. And again, that's something I learned after Jason died, not learned, but really um, it solidified. It was like, oh my gosh, I cannot waste this life. Anybody could just collapse at any moment. And that's like PTSD I deal with, you know, uh, just because of how Jason died. Um, I'm like, I, I've got to make the most of every moment. moment. I've got to live my life. And that means doing it on my terms. Um, so I'm so sorry that happened to you, by the way, that's really hard. And you're right. It's super valid. And the reason I didn't start dating is because I knew I couldn't deal if something like that happened to me. So absolutely. I knew it would throw me into another spiral, you know? And I think, yeah, you're right. Totally valid. Okay. So what I love about my current partner is that we can go on adventures together. My husband worked a lot of hours and his love language or how he showed love was to take care of us financially. And it was really important. Security was really important to him. And so uh, a lot of times he would send me off on adventures uh, by myself or with family or something like that. And one thing that I really appreciate, as I said, that Sean and his wife had a very opposite experience than we did. And they went like every time they had a free moment, they went off on an adventure. And so that's one of the things that I appreciate about Sean is that we will go on an adventure every weekend. We will take off and go up the coast. We will find, you know, just a new thing to do. Like I said, we live on the coast, so it's exploring beaches. I live in an area that is absolutely breathtaking. And there are so many places that Sean has shown me that are literally within five miles of my home that I had never seen. So that's something that I really appreciate about him is that in this, you know, stage of life, I don't, I have adult children. Um, I can take off and go do these things. And so it is something that I appreciate about him is the adventure partner, you know, that I have now. Oh, that sounds fun. I'm a little jealous of that. (laughs) No, let's go on an adventure. We do adventures Um, all the time. What are you talking about? (laughs) I have a question that might be an impossible question and might not be a fair question, but I, I have thought about this and I wonder if you guys have an opinion about it. We know that a lot of marriages, second marriages or marriages after the loss of your partner end in divorce. And have you guys ever thought about why? you think that is? I have watched people who have been married before. And I think what I, my experience is watching people rush into it. I feel like if I come from a background, a faith background, and that community, um, marriage is really important. And especially the older generations, um, they feel like that is the goal in life is to be married. And when that is the goal, Um, there's a rush to get into it and there's some things that are missed. And that's what I have seen happen. And I feel like it's so important to take your time. I know that as a widow, I really felt, um, you know, like when I lost Michael, that 
um, I was just like, it was like I was falling down a well and I couldn't find anything to hold on to. And so you're missing that partner. So you feel it's, it's not that I was wanting to replace him. I just felt lost. And I think I would just say, take your time and find your bearings. Don't rush into anything. I mean, I felt like when Sean and I started dating, Megan can attest to this. I was like, I really thought we would get married very quickly. And with time and just really processing time is your friend. There's no rush. And I know we feel it rushed because we miss our partner and we miss, you know, if you had a good relationship, you want that again, you want to have, you know, be together all the time and, you know, you know, play house and all of those things. Um, but really take your time because let's be honest, people can hide their crazy for quite a while. You can pretend somebody <laughs> can pretend that they don't have issues. And then one day you're like, oh, crud, like this person is struggling with this and you have no idea. So I cannot encourage people enough. Take your time because that's what I've seen. Um, my husband's family, Michael's family, his grandfather, and I've talked about this on the podcast, his grandfather rushed into getting married and it didn't, and it didn't work well. Now they stayed together and for the rest of his life, it was very difficult, um, but he rushed in very quickly. Um, other family members that I know, this has been the same thing, um, rushed into getting married. And then after they were married, it was like, oh no, we don't actually have see eye to eye on a lot of things and it didn't work out. So that would be my advice. Just take your time. Time is your friend. I know it doesn't feel like it because you've lost your person, but time really is your friend. Yep. I agree. Um, I think, I think it's important to think about like, what is the reason for getting married in the first place? Are you, you know, are you trying to replace a partner? Are you, do you just need somebody that you can pick up your kids from school? Like what, you know, what's the reason that you are really gunning for marriage, you know? And if it's anything, but because I love this person and I, I want to build a life with them, then it's not time. You're not ready yet, you know, to remarry. So I would say that I don't have any data to support this or any studies or anything, but it seems like, you know, people rush into marriage after losing somebody because they want to fill that void in their life. And then maybe they realize that that person, like Christina said, they hid their crazy and uh, then it starts to come out. And maybe that's why the, uh, they get divorced. It's also just complicated. People are really complicated, you know, even if they're not crazy, even if it's just like, actually, we're both dealing with this huge loss. This is like a big monolith of difficult. And it's something that really, you really have to try and figure out how you're going to deal with some of those things. Um, it kind of reminds me of like the olden days, you know, if your wife died, then the husband was told like, well, you need a, you need a new wife to take care of the children, right? It has nothing to do with, it was like a very practical, like survival issue. And, and I don't know that it's that same, same situation that we're in now, but sometimes it feels that way maybe to people. Yes. Have you guys yeah. seen the statistic that I, I've never been able to find it, but I know I saw it that women over under the age of 45 will usually re remarry if they're widowed, but over the age of 45, they don't remarry. Hmm. 
And my theory is that over the age of 45, you kind of realize like, Hey, I don't want to take care of somebody anymore. So, you know, the, the older widows, um, you know, that are, you know, maybe say grandmother's age or older, they had to take care of their husbands and they're like, we're over that. Um, but this younger generation comes into it more as partners, equal partners. And so I think it's a healthier thing that we're seeing now. And I wonder if we will see widows um, marrying now that we're saying, hey, we come to the, the table equally. We share the chores. We share all of this. Um, if we'll see a, a shift in, um, in that number. So um, I listened to one of your podcasts and I... I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that some of the stuff you said was like blowing my mind. Um, I am not in a place where I want to date or see myself dating. And also um, the whole idea of apps and internet dating is completely foreign to me. And it makes me kind of want to throw up a little bit. And you guys talked a lot about dating safety and I wanted to get some of that information from you guys here because I was like oh I would never have thought of that and that's such a good idea so like tell us tell us the things how do we keep ourselves safe if we're gonna try online dating or just I mean dating in general as a widow in this day and age I think that (laughs) I did I did a lot of uh well a lot is maybe a weird way to phrase it, but I did online dating when I met Jason. That's how we met. Um, And so I had some experience with using apps and meeting strange men in strange places, right? Um, And it was scary. I was a, you know, late 20s something small person, right? And so I was nervous for my safety. Uh, And I would, the number one thing that I did back then is tell people, Don't keep it a secret. Tell people where you're going, when to expect you, have somebody text you in the middle of the date, text them when you get home. Um, You can turn on your location services on your phone and share it with people so they can, if you have an iPhone, you can do like find my, you know, and share your location with like a friend or a sister or a parent or something so that they know where you are in case something happens. Uh, But don't keep it a secret. And I think that maybe dating as widows maybe we're a little more likely to keep it a secret because we don't want people to know we're dating. We don't want people to think that we're over our person because just because we want, you know, to move forward doesn't mean we're moving on. And we don't have want to have to like explain that in every single text exchange. Right. Um, But find, find a widow wife, right. Or somebody you trust to share your location with and share that you're going to date, give them the person's full name, phone number, address, everything you know about who you're meeting. (laughs) You ever had any bad experiences where like your date was going real bad and you had to like jump ship? I didn't have a date per se, but I, there was a new app out that was based on personalities and I very much into Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and all of that type of stuff. So I've always been curious if that was a great approach to it is if you could match by somebody's personality, because my husband and I actually did match not through a dating app, but just naturally we were opposites. And so I tried out this new app and connected with someone and it was super awkward. Um, 
But what happened was he ended up FaceTiming me and I didn't know Megan can explain about using a third party app in order to make phone calls, but I didn't know. And this guy FaceTimed me and I didn't know he was going to FaceTime me. And my, um, I was, I had just gotten out of the shower, you guys. And the FaceTime, I answered it on my phone. And you guys, if you have an Apple phone, you know, that sound and like, I answered it on my phone, but it went, which means my video came on and I was getting out of the shower and thank the heavens. My phone was laying face up on my bed. Um, so that is my horror story of like, Oh, I was done after that. Um, but thankful he didn't see anything, but yeah, it's scary. If you're, you know, years of not, I am 48. Well, I was you know, 45, when I was widowed, I have no experience with online dating. So if you're listening to this and you have no experience, like, Hey, welcome to my horror story. Um, and I shut it down. Um, my daughter had some really great, um, tips. My daughter is 48. And so she gave me uh, some really great tips for, um, our, podcast. And one of them was reverse Google image. So if you find someone online, people will make fake accounts and they will keep you on these fake accounts for quite some time. If you take their picture and you can reverse Google image and Megan can explain to you how to do that. Um, you can find out if this is a real person because people will talk to you for a week and it will not go anywhere. Um, another tip is if they are keeping it, just chatting back and forth and not very quickly saying like, Hey, would you like to go have coffee or something like that? They're just stringing you along. That's not a real person. So Megan, can you maybe explain how reverse Google image works so that that might help some people out? Yeah. So if you just go to images.google.com, it's, it's the same as a Google search and, but you, you're searching by image. So now you're, you, you're taking their profile picture and you're searching where else are they using this profile picture? Where, or where did it come from? Is this a stock image? Is it even a real person? So yeah, images.google.com and you can just upload the picture there. And also you can use it in your favor. Because you can, if you make sure to take an original picture that you did not put on the internet of yourself, then they're not going to be able to reverse Google image you for the picture. So that's going to create some safety for you if you're trying to conceal your identity um, and for them not to find you on social media. This is funny because Mel is totally into like true crime. And so she's probably like, <laughs> yes, yep. <laughs> it's true. all of these things. Yep. Don't get murdered. I'm, yep. Yeah. Do not get murdered. You might not want to share your full name. I never shared my last name when I was dating. I didn't know these people. I didn't want them to find my address, you know? So I never shared my last name, but if you use the same picture that's your, that's on your Facebook or on your Instagram, then they could reverse image search you and find you and find your name. So I have a question about all this. Is it fair to want to like find all you can out about that person, but you don't want them to be able to find out everything about you? Uh, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> it's fair when it's, you know, your safety, yes. you know, you got to look out for yourself. And especially as widows or widowers, sometimes people are preying on us specifically. And so I think you have to be extra cautious because you're also, 
you're still grieving and we have widow brain or widower brain or whatever that, you know, looks like for, you know, what you're grieving. And so we don't always catch the things that other people may have caught if they were processing, um, they're not processing trauma at the same time. And so for safety reasons, I think it's absolutely fair, um, because people will take advantage as you guys may know of people who have experienced loss. So I think it's, it's, whatever you need to do. And if, if not listen to some murder podcasts and you will have a different perspective on it. (laughs) I listen to murder podcasts just, just to keep my brain on track of like, okay, this is real because I live in a town that is fairly safe. And I don't think about a lot of things that other people in larger cities will think of. And so it's like, I listen to my favorite murder just to, yeah just to give myself perspective. Does it throw up any red flags though, when you try and dig up information on the person that you're talking to and nothing comes up, or do you feel like they're just taking those same precautions? And I feel they don't exist. Those those same precautions, they're careful or they're not active on social media, which is like the greenest of green flags. I love a person who's not active on social media, you know? Hmm. <laughs> what about in-person safety tips? Do you have any of those? Um, as Megan said, let people know where you're going, the location services. Um, one of the things that my counselor told me right off the bat was, does this person have any friends that you know? Especially like for me locally, if somebody that's within a certain distance, it's like that, you know, what is it? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, somebody's possibly going to be connected with them. And so that can be helpful to say, you know, do you know this person and, and making sure it's not just like a loose connection. Like they actually know the person they've interacted with them to, for safety reasons. Um, so that's what I found helpful was, um, and, and Sean did the same thing. He reached out to people that knew me and said, Hey, like, do you know her? Is she nice? Like just different things like that before, um, we connected. I think also going somewhere public is important being in public around other people, uh, a first date at somebody's house or apartment or whatever is not a good idea. Um, so I would absolutely meet in public, drive separately. Don't let them pick you up, you know, uh, that way you can leave. (laughs) Uh, you don't have to rely on them for transportation. And then also if you drink alcohol, don't drink too much. This is a one or two drink situation. This is not a get drunk and party situation. You know, you want to have your, your wits about you. What about a taser? (laughs) Listen, if you have one, take it. (laughs) Some pepper spray. Have you guys seen those like new sort of personal taser things that people can get? I haven't. Tell me more. (laughs) Well, that's basically all I got. I know that there are some devices out there that are for people like, you know, of course, specifically like um, females. Um, I think I first saw it on Elizabeth Smart's Instagram page because, and for those that don't know who that is, that's the girl that was, well, she's a woman now, but she was abducted when she was 15 from her home um, for nine months and, you know, all of the things happened to her and now she helps victims. So she's an advocate now, but I, I saw it on her Instagram where somebody that she knows that's a survivor had started something like that so that 
females had personal protection that could actually maybe deter the person even even further. Well, and also I would suggest um, coffee. I know that it's just like probably seems silly, but coffee dates, going to a coffee place and having coffee in the middle of the day on a Saturday um, versus going out at night. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird, but that just seems to me like a natural thing, being friends with a person, meeting up, like and not as much pressure. And that's how it happened for me. Um, I know that other people that it's like they were friends first. So just taking that pressure off um, and kind of creates a little bit more relaxed, like during the daytime, rather than we need to go to having dinner. And as Megan said, having a drink, I think if you, all, another thing is if you know where you're going for dinner, you can request, you know, call early and tell the bartender I'm coming in tonight. Like you can make it look like you're serving me drinks, but just serve me virgin drinks, you know, stuff like that. So that they know, um, just, or calling ahead at the restaurant and saying, I'm coming in on a date. And could you keep an eye out? I know that, you know, there are restaurants where they keep an eye out for people who um, are on dates and if there's something awkward going on. Um, so I think that's another added layer of safety for you when you're going out. I mean, I think the one thing that I, I would want to go back to is the taking your time, not rushing into making it official. Um, if you do start dating someone, you know, in your mind set a time three months. Um, I think a lot of times when, you know, you get excited and you've got all of those endorphins going and, um, you're just, you know, flooded with all these great chemicals and you can be blinded by things and just take your time. If, if somebody is like, Hey, can we, you know, I want to make this official, it's okay to wait a little bit longer. Um, don't feel that pressure. Uh, you get it, time again as your friend. What do you guys think about asking friends for their opinions about whether or not your relationship is a good relationship or one that you should continue with? I feel like that's a fraught idea. Like asking them, like, do you think he's good for me? Do you think I'm ready to date? Like those kind of questions. Do you think that that's appropriate to ask a good friend? Or do you think that it's something that you need to decide for yourself? I think that only you really know the answer to that question. And I think that it's important to be honest with yourself. So I think that's maybe where you think you want to ask a friend. And if you're feeling like, oh, I need to ask a friend if I'm ready to date, then you're not ready to date because you don't know for sure, you know? So that's a question you have to answer yourself. I'd say trust yourself on that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, that can feel very scary in the beginning. If you've had a partner to bounce things off of, and you're just like, you really value their opinion and they give great opinions. That was my experience. And I had to learn. It was the very first thing that I asked my counselor. I said, I want to learn to trust myself. And so I agree with Megan, like, if you can answer that for yourself and you're, then, you know, you don't need somebody else on that one. They're not in your shoes. They don't know what's going on in your head. Um, and you were going to have to be strong enough that if your family is like, why are you dating? Or somebody, you know, looks at you funny or judges you, um, you have to be strong enough and know in your heart that you're doing the right thing. And if that, you know, if that's going to deter you, then you're not ready. That's part of becoming a whole person. You know, that's part of finding your own happiness and your own, 
your own way is that level of healing too. Do you think that it's okay to start dating and then stop dating? I feel like a lot of people feel like it's a decision that once you make, there's no turning back, but I think that you can certainly wade in there and then say, actually, this isn't what I want to be doing now. And I'm going to try again later. And it's totally fine. And it doesn't mean that you failed or that you made the wrong decision in the first place. I absolutely believe that with anything set your, you know, give yourself like, okay, I'm going to do this for three months and then revisit it. There's nothing wrong with revisiting. Even if you're in a relationship, you know, revisiting, having a conversation, how is this going? Do we need to, you know, redefine our relationship? Um, but I, I just believe nothing is set in stone. Um, give yourself permission to revisit the topic three, six, nine months down the road. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that you can try it, decide it's not for you. I wouldn't, what I would caution against is kind of cocooning up and never trying again, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe it's not for you right now and maybe you take a break and maybe you don't go to it, but then, you know, you still continue working on yourself and you continue healing. And then maybe in six months, you're ready to try again. I had a really terrible out of the gate experience, I had a lawn care person that I was really enjoying conversations with. He talked to me all day um, for like two days on social media. And I thought like, oh, this is just a nice person again, just like, hey, let's go have coffee. And then he did like, he shut his social media down. It was crazy. And it was so embarrassing. And I was mortified, just totally mortified. It was a terrible experience, much like what you're saying. Um, Mel is just, it feels awful. And you do, you just want to like, Megan is saying, just cocoon yourself and not go out and try again. And what helped me was to talk about it, to be honest with my friend, Megan and and my friend, Carlos is just to say, okay, this is, this was totally embarrassing. And I can talk about it now. And I'm really grateful that, you know, I took time to heal and then eventually was like, Hey, let's try this again. Like, I just would like somebody to play board games with and eat tacos. And so, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I think it's so interesting because dating is not, is not really a topic that has an answer to it. You know, it's not, there's no, this is what you need to do. And this is when you need to do it. And this is when you know, you're going to be ready. You know, everybody just kind of has to find their own way and figure out what's going to be right for them. And it sucks that we even have to think about it. So I'm kind (laughs) of bitter and angry. Yes. Whatever. (laughs) We have one final question for you and I will ask it. And Christina, you're first, Megan, you're second. Ready? What is your favorite cheese? Go. I live in the Pacific Northwest. So shout out to Tillamook cheese. Um, my favorite is the hot habanero jack. It's um, If you haven't tried it, find it. It's delicious. <laughs> I um, I like a brie, like just a, just a creamy brie. I know I'm a, I'm a basic brie. Uh, <laughs> But there was a grilled cheese place in Frisco, Texas. It's closed now. I'm sorry. But they made, it was like brie and turkey and like cranberry sauce Mm -hmm. and some other kind of saucy situation. And it was a grilled cheese. And it was the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. Dang it. (laughs) And I'm sorry that they've closed. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening to Megan and Christina. You can find their podcast on the podcast places, right? 
Yes. All the podcast places. And thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you so much. Make sure you check out the Widow Wives Club. It's our online Facebook community. It's a great, wonderful place to be. And just make sure you answer all the questions so we can keep all the weirdos out, right? That's what we're trying to do. If you want to keep the podcast going, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you'd like to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And until we get to talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Christina. I'm Megan. And we are just two young widows and two other young widows who maybe are drinking stuff in their cups or talking about their bra sizes. We're not quite sure. (laughs) But either way, it's cool. And we're all just trying to figure out widow. We do now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.